0: Say a total you know what? A total so. a fucking total Hello, and welcome to episode one of season two of The Bottleman, Dan and Riley. Um, Happy Happy New Year. Hope you had a good holiday season, but we are back and ready to crack on with the year. Dan, how's it going? Uh, new year, new values. Uh, can't complain.
1: Looking out my window at uh, just a, a beautiful snowscape. Uh, my landlord is sawing through a metal pipe in the apartment directly uh, underneath me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... There's the anticipation of rushing headlong into a you know the blank canvas of a new year, but then the uh, the familiar sounds of yesteryear, like uh, just uh, illegal construction in my apartment <laughs> building so
0: uh, your uh, your landlord is the wily Coyote, who has obtained an oscillating saw from the Acme Corporation, and is going to try and <laughs> cut out the floor from underneath you. Uh, interestingly yes, Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah. I am. Uh, I I have a safe full of dynamite at the ready.
0: <laughs> uh, d- legally, Dennis, not a full of dynamite. Um, I am on the other hand, I'm recording in my new flat. Uh, I now have a a cellar. Um. So I am uh, in a, I would say, um, meter and a meter and a bit high room and I'm sitting next to my wine. Uh, So if you can hear that in the recording, that is what has happened. That is the sound of me being next to my wine you become Basement Podcasting guy. I, I am. I'm going to grow. I'm going to become the guy from the meme. I'm going to get like the awful square glasses. I'm going to get really like sort of um, uh, frizzy hair. Uh, and I'm going to put on a <laughs> yeah. gray hoodie. And my eyes are going to be red all the time.
1: <laughs> Man, I feel like there are a couple different Basement guys that live in the UK. Like Basement Podcaster, definitely one of them. Basement Gamer. Um, also, though, famously Basement um, YouTube synth guy like there are so many guys from the united kingdom who uh have like cramped uh, mildewy basements and and film themselves uh going through like all the different oscillators on the new you know Ar- arturia poly synth or whatever
0: yeah that's because like the there's a certain co- when the british man is turned to his most harmless he becomes an obsessive nerd about some or other piece of gear that's why like um the mo- uh, it's why if the most harmless um, historians in Britain are the ones that um, Alice from TF pointed this out. Are the ones who just love to call a tank a great piece of kit, and then every <laughs> other historian in Britain uh, writes books like uh, "Conquest: How the West avo- How the West Became Good and Not Muslim," um, yes, and yes, stuff like this. And it's do true. you think the
1: di- do you think the descent into the basement is part of some uh, genetic British, uh, uh, like like desire to return to the bog? <laughs> yeah, they're all mole people. We're um,
0: yeah. tunnel down into the, the peat. I, I nearly said we, which is not quite yet true. But uh, no, no, I am, you're a Canadian, man. But I am unfortunately, I'm I am nearly recalling a conversation we had with Caleb. I've started the process to become legally British. <laughs> medically British, I'm about to be. I am starting the process to become medically British. Um, so who who knows what will become of my identity? Uh, but before we get into um, the fun stuff, the um, the comings and goings, the heings and haulings, uh, the hoedowns and the hootenannies, uh, and other such things as we've organized for the week, uh, I want to do a quick. Uh, I'm turning my chair around. We're sitting beside a fire. Uh, Dan and I are facing you. We've called you into our study because it's time for us to have a little chat. I've Um, taken my glasses off (laughs) and then put them back on again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I've taken them off and I've put a different pair of glasses
0: back on. Um, (laughs) So, uh, basically, um, the bottom line up front is that we are going to change the frequency of Bottleman to an episode every week um, with every second episode being uh, a bonus episode. So this week is a free episode, next week is a bonus episode, and so on. Um, We are doing this uh, because both Dan and I, uh, towards the end of last year, were getting into a place where we were both like very overworked. Um... I, or or less, uh, I, w- I was I lo- was I was losing it. <laughs> <laughs> As was I. Um and we both agreed with one another uh that we would make a better show that would be- impose less of a tax on our well-being if we were a little bit slower with our release schedule and that would you know, and and we can put a little more time into the episodes and not constantly be trying to dash them off. So yeah. we also know uh, that you have already paid for um, January. So if this is not uh, something that's going to be enough for you, if you feel like it's not going to be worth your seven shiny Canadian dollars on a monthly basis, please do just message us, and we will be happily refund you. Um, yes, because you have uh, already paid for January. Um, anyway, that's that's the deal. We're, we're going to figure out um, a few things as we go, but that's going to be the basics of it. Um, I think we're not inclined to we're not inclined to stop doing dumb TV, uh, dumb Canadian TV reviews. I don't think we're going to make that like a whole episode for a week, um, so so that's not going to stop. But it's also not going to, you know, um, count as an entire episode. <laughs> yes, yeah, those those will be bonus treats. Yes, exactly. So look, this is this is sort of what we're going to build on, sort of going forward uh, into this year. And uh, I do hope and look forward to indeed uh, many of you staying with us for that. Uh, so. It's time to exit the study. Uh, Dan's put his other glasses back on. Um, I uh, put my belt back on, um, and uh, we are going to talk about. Uh, sorry, take off the take out the belt thing. I thought that was going to be funny, but I was like, no, that's just hitting kids. That's not funny. That's no, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Well, I'll start it again. So look, Dan has uh, put his normal glasses back on. Uh, his podcasting glasses, not his. Uh, 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 let's have a talk. Glasses, um, and I have changed from my let's have a talk smoking jacket into my podcasting dressing gown, um, <laughs> and cap, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm holding my little candle that I hold <laughs> in a little in a little uh, uh saucer, uh, and I am uh, stretching and yawning. Uh, yes. No, look, uh, Dan, you've uh, the the glorious uh uh, uh Substack. The, the the firmament of substack has just gained another star. Uh, That's right. Can you tell me we're, what's we're going to have to name a new constellation.
1: Um <laughs> like you know like all things that happen in Canada we we tend to be slightly behind our big brother to the south of us. Um and uh, and we and and we t- we tend to kind of follow in those those big footsteps, those big clown shoe footsteps. We're just we're just hopping behind, stepping in the footprints, you know, <laughs> so, and, and what I'm talking about is uh, the Canadian direct to VOD uh, of substack journalism quitters.
0: Yeah, it's, it's you know, what it is is uh, in American substack journalism quitters are like uh, uh, under siege to exit wounds. Uh, yes. Hard to Kill whereas Canadian uh, journal- Substack Journalism Quitters very much more like um, a General Commander or uh, mm-hmm. Sniper mm-hmm. Special Ops
1: yeah exactly uh, like one of the many sequels to the, the Soldier franchise uh, it's um, so you know, if you're wondering what I'm talking about uh, what I'm talking about is that the, the woke stapo at the CBC have claimed another victim Oh no! Uh,
0: not a, not one of Canada's national treasures at our uh, <laughs> our glorious national broadcaster. I'm, I'm just gonna read. Uh, I'm gonna read you guys some
1: headlines here. So, can hitting snooze and taking a long lunch be the real keys to success? Five facts that will make you think about leaning out. Yeah, I can see why Six. they censored this lady. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. It, it's it's better, it gets better uh, Six surprising lessons we could all learn From early retirement gurus a- And my personal favorite um, Paid content, beyond the vistas Markets, music series, and more Make a fall vacation in British Columbia The best idea, paid content In partnership with Whistler British Columbia <laughs> So these are the these are the signature brave risky adversarial headlines that you will no longer be reading at cbc.com since the uh, very public departure of famous Canadian journalist Tara Henley.
0: Um but like it's it's so strange, right? That the first sort of wave of people who clearly have been like trying to get fired at like the New York Times in order to like you know juice their Substack um uh debuts and then maybe get like I don't know an adjunct professorship in the uh garden shed at the University of Austin. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh, they all sort of quit to there was a much sort of hand-wringing um, by sort of people on the sort of more liberal side and then a lot of sort of uh triumphant i told you soism from like your right-wing twitter idiots and yes. um it feels like w- we've got the latter in, in 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 with uh the departure of a uh, famous canadian journalist tara henley from our national broadcaster but like I don't. Doesn't no one seems to be being worried by it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I read. So yesterday, uh, Henley made a very public post that uh, just just started doing the rounds almost immediately. Like, just the most wet-brained pundits, like Terry Glavin, seized on it. You know, this stuff is like chum in the water, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Like, these people are waiting to hear that the CBC is censoring someone. But what no one was, I, I think what no one was talking about was, what is Tara actually writing? Like, what what type of
0: journalist is Tara Henley? Uh, it's know, it, what the CBC is in the what, pocket of Big Home and she right. wanted to tell the <laughs> truth about Whistler.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, you're not going to be able to read uh, five Zen things to do in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, Canada's epicenter of chill, you know? I, I, Tara has written mostly lifestyle columns for CBC, uh, some of them paid content. So I, I want to talk about her Substack post. So, like, she laid out her position in this, this meandering Substack entry. Um, I'm going to read some of it. Uh, she said, for months now, I've been getting complaints about the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, where I've worked as a TV and radio producer and occasional on-air columnist for most of the past decade. People want to know why, for example, 9 non-binary Filipinos concerned about a lack of LGBT terms in Tagalog. uh is an editorial policy for the CBC when local issues of broad concern go underreported well i would jump in and say uh filipinos are make up a uh, a steadily uh increasing demographic in canada there's, mm. there's been a, and uh maybe you know maybe uh, cbc giving giving this new uh growing demographic of filipinos like an outlet and Talking about things that they want to talk about is actually a fucking good thing. Maybe that's yeah. not so
0: bad. And also, like, what are the local <laughs> issues of broad concern? Are they like the goings on in the student unions of elite universities in other countries, uh, the crime statistics from other countries, uh, yeah. or like, is it just or uh, is is the local issue of broad concern just like a uh, uh, you know a uh, uh, gang stalking claims another victim? Like, wh- what on earth could she possibly be fucking talking? Because, like, look, the criticism of this of the CBC is like like um i think quite uh cynical is not one that is misplaced but it's like she basically she says no it should be cynical and it also should make me feel good about whatever i'm thinking you know yeah, i mean exactly. th- this if you want to look at like the um if you want to think that the, if you want to imagine that all oh, the CBC's gone woke or whatever, just look at any article that we have talked about that they've written about, like indigenous land defenders, for example. Um, yeah, well, here, I mean, I pulled some
1: headlines just uh, at random. Um, you know, forged inside this supposed cultural Marxist hive mind. Um, so here are some CBC headlines. We've got uh, landlords wait on tens of thousands in unpaid rent due to exhausting Ontario board delays. Many of them were LGBT Filipinos, apparently. Yes. Uh, Ukraine crisis heats up. So will cyber attacks. Experts warn. Uh, we remember, and favorite, I remember that expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That expert used to work for Csis. Uh, a tale of two fighter jets and what it means for Canada's defense and place in the world. You know, like, and and it's funny because she she pulls the she pulls the same trick that a lot of these people pull uh, when executing this grift, which is uh she says it used to be that i was uh the one furthest left in any newsroom mm-hmm. i'm literally a
0: communist
1: right <laughs> like
0: oh i'm sure i'm so <laughs> sure and it's like it's it seems and uh, like as 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 you mentioned right like yeah it's right they also cbc is not taking these other seri uh, not taking serious things seriously but like Uh, is the sort of um, the organization went too woke for me so I'm doing substack grift are you going to then be writing about like the the sort of overdose epidemic are you going to be writing about like wealth consolidation are you going to be writing about real estate are, are you actually or is it just going to be like um, like the the Canadian ver- like looking at like, you know, the University of Toronto doing like, you know, encouraging vegan Mondays and being like, this yeah. is t- yeah. causing social degeneration. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, so to be fair, like Tara makes some points about CBC, uh, CBC not taking the housing crisis, the overdose epidemic or wealth co- consolidation in this country. Uh, seriously. Right. Um. She does this while also claiming that CBC, uh, quote, favors. Some races over others when it comes to interviews. And sure, like I actually, you know what, I'll agree with her on that, because when uh, the CBC is talking about shit like the victims of communism memorial, they definitely favor like voices from the Polish Catholic Church or uh, the (laughs) UCC rather than uh, printing, say, like an interview that I did with uh, uh, someone who wrote an article about the VOC memorial and then wrote me and said, sorry, your piece is cut uh, because they want to uh, include Ukrainian voices in this. So, like, some of these things are true. Yes, like, the CBC is not taking the housing crisis, the overdose epidemic, or, you know, like, massive wealth consolidation during COVID seriously. But you wouldn't, you know, but you're like, you wouldn't know that Tara cares about any of these things from her publication history or literally anything that she's posted. Like, the only vaguely political piece I could find from her was, uh, was this from the Globe and Mail. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Writer's call for a more nuanced approach to cancel culture.
0: I'm so excited to be one of the uh, literal dozen, dozen of people subscribing to the Substack to see a different version of that article. It's so different. Can't we do even our own? Um, sort of like whiny uh, whiny classical liberal version of the substack thing does it have to be the same thing that America does like why wouldn't you just subscribe to I don't know fucking Dave Rubin's substack or Barry Weiss's substack what could this substack do for you that those couldn't well it could give you some local flavor Riley
1: so
0: because you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay fine if you you could subscribe to like a British substack um, and then you could just <laughs> find replace BBC with CBC there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You just do
1: the letter replacement. Uh run a javascript that just changes the, the first b to a c.
0: And you're fine. Um <laughs> no, you know, it's like, uh, it's it's because um if you actually read the 5zen things to do in Vancouver, it's mostly about uh finding labor unions and and joining yes. them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I mean uh, five five z five uh five cool ways to uh, prevent oil companies from uh, building pipelines in unseated land. <laughs> like the problem with all of this is that the CBC is dog shit. Like it doesn't produce
1: adversarial or challenging journalism, but but like uh this vaguely defined idea of like wokeness is is not the problem and not to be unkind but like Tara is not a capital J journalist. She does book reviews and occasionally paid lifestyle blogging, mm-hmm. which is fine, but she's not being censored in any way. Yeah. Not in any way that that sort of merits the amount of uh, media attention this has gotten. There are plenty of real journalists in this country who cannot, and we've, we've covered this on the show a lot, uh, who can't get a byline with the national broadcaster or anyone else. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Andre Domiz recently with a piece on Ukraine, Nora Loretto, like, my own minor experience firsthand with the CBC article on the VOC
0: Memorial that Taylor Noakes wrote like, <laughs> or, or even, or even thinking back to like, you know, last year when we were thinking about that article that Davide Mastracci wrote, like, yeah, yes. that was, that was, that showed the real, um, sort of grinding, uh, sort of problems of nepotism and scleroticism within Canadian journalism. Um, and the problems aren't because, like, I don't know, the CBC cafeteria does you know, vegan Monday. That's not the problem. The problem yeah, isn't exactly. that like the problem isn't that they might be trying, like, I don't know, maybe even a, a little bit too hard to be like, oh, we're gonna include a range of voices and experiences. The, the, the thing that's making it not be adversarial isn't that they're like making more of an effort to in what is, I don't know, probably like a, a marketing effort to like broaden their appeal to A genuinely changing demography the problem is that the high positions in canadian journalism are inhabited by like everyone who's cousins with each other and so you know of course of course this isn't going to end up you know generating the kind of journalism you claim to want and yet have never done
1: yeah absolutely absolutely i mean so so that's it. That's basically the uh the the sad direct to VOD uh Canadian Substack uh journalist, you know, fighting against the the tide of wokeness at, at our uh national broadcaster. But I wanna you know, I kinda wanna be kind to uh, Tara and uh I was I was looking through some of her some of her previous writing, some of her non CBC writing, she didn't actually do a lot of like actual writing for CBC, mm-hmm. but she did publish something last year uh, in, or the year before actually in 2020 in a publication called Nouveau uh, that was basically an advertisement for her book. And it goes like this. She said, four years ago, I was forced to lean out of my life at the age for, at age 40. I was a current affairs journalist, when I, became, when I began having chest pains at my desk, I had just spent a decade in Toronto working around the clock for top media outlets. I moved back to Vancouver in an attempt to carve out a more relaxed lifestyle, envisioning weekend hikes in old growth forests and leisurely coffees with friends. Instead, I was met with a housing crisis that tore my hometown apart and sent my newsroom into overdrive. Unclear what newsroom she's talking about, but Okay. Rather than curing my burnout, the move west amplified it. With my life on hold and little income coming in, I was forced to rethink everything. I had to abandon the frantic pace of modern life, overwork consumerism, and seek out a different way of living. And I think the key phrase here is with little money coming in. I think Mm -hmm. the type of journalism that Tara Hanley does is very difficult to make money at, you know? SpawnCon stuff uh the occasional like uh globe and mail books column like i don't envy like having to live in vancouver with like astronomical rents and and trying to uh eke out a living doing this type of of journalism right but this has to be the most fucking cynical way <laughs> to get out
0: of that economic uh trap yeah absolutely it, the um it's you you sort of make a ritual denunciation of this sort of you know um you know sort of either exaggerated or fake or decontextualized boogeyman that mm-hmm. like the people with money in the country hate and are willing to you know pay some lucky person a few few dollars a month to like you know have it sort of denounced um you know it's to to rich to sort of um have their um you know their their nephews at McGill who's you know got like dyed hair or whatever willing to have that person sort of you know um their anxieties about that person sort of you know stoked and you know that's what you need to make money you know i mean i, I don't care about grifting these people they're very griftable it's it's, it's not, not a bad absolutely. idea i
1: mean we it's it's pretty uh it's pretty obvious how griftable they are when you've got people like Terry Glavin just jumping in to defend you, like, uh, within seconds of, of, of the post, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: and the Globe, absolutely. And,
1: and, people, and, like, the p- publishers at Globe and Mail literally had one in the chamber. They had an edited version of the sub stack uh, that Henley wrote ready to go, which was... Mm-hmm. Uh, deployed, you know, 2 hours after she posted this thing on well, Twitter.
0: It's because this is the argument that they want to be having. They yes. want to be having the argument of should we, you know, use should we be concerned about, you know, lack of LGBT terms in Tagalog that we're using and again, the answer to that is, you know, yes, obviously you should. Um yeah. but they want that to be the only argument that they have and they want that to be the existential argument about about what it is that they're doing. They, they do because that means right if it's not it 's not that these issues are a distraction, they absolutely are not, but by by making the entire but it 's almost like the 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 right is kind of doing an effect a, a little trick here by saying this is the this is the issue we 're going to engage on, and liberals saying this is the issue this is the only issue we 're going to sort of maul over they're mm-hmm. effectively able to fill a lot of column inches without ever having to wonder um you know for example uh, how come our CMP officers are kidnapping indigenous land offenders for example yeah. they yeah. never that because that's the fight because that's a fight they don't necessarily want to have because they like that they like their position on it you know exactly. they don't, that's they they don't want to change that position that's not they're not willing to have that be be decided what they want to fight about is stuff like um, like language and inclusivity organizational policies they don't want to confront um any of the issues that that they that actually genuinely frightened the CBC and the Globe and Mail, so they'll obviously um, they will amplify the sort of right wing sides of the of these debates because that's the debate they want to have to the disbenefit not only of the people not only of the people who are sort of. Um, you know, trying to get their voices heard, but also to the people who are scapegoated in these debates. Like, again, this example of LGBT terms in Tagalog, it doesn't benefit like the LGBT Filipino community to have their just like language about including them be the main insoluble, endless culture war element of our time because liberals like Globe and Mail happy to have that fight. And it's not because they're interested in defending the uh, rights of the LGBT Filipino community. It's because that's exactly. a conveni- it's it's something that they're willing to ha- have a fight over forever and never actually resolve. And, yes. you know, it's, and everybody involved except for the owners of the uh, media companies and like the, the political media apparatus in general, everyone involved loses.
1: Yeah. 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 It's 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 all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all
0: zeros all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um so something else has been sort of happening um, really recently, the last sort of some um, and the, throughout the last sort of 2021, that sort of we're seeing international attention now. And when something gets some international attention, you know, it's a serious issue in Canada. Um, you remember New Brunswick, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, classic uh, province. The, the free state of New Brunswick. <laughs> Absolutely. Um uh, one of one of Canada's classic provinces, you know what you love it, New Brunswick. Um, so basically, and we've spoken about them, them before, again, for sort of non-Canadians, uh, the thing to remember about New Brunswick is that it's basically uh, owned and operated as a subsidiary of a company that kind of makes everything at a very low end of the value chain. Um, so a lot of, it's basically owned and operated by the Irvings, who have a lot of rail and forestry and... Um. Uh. uh, uh sort of heavy manufacturing and things of this nature. Now, at the same time, uh, a progressive neurological illness uh, has baffled. Basically, is like is sort of ripping through communities uh, in the Acadian Peninsula, right? And. What is causing, I would say, uh, doctors, or at least as was causing doctors some concern was the swift cognitive decline among those afflicted. Uh, it's apparent um, lack of a an uh, immediate cause, right? And it's not obvious what it is. What's very clear is that there is a neurodeg- neurodegenerative disease and young people who tend to be sort of too young to be afflicted by it are getting it. Um, and, um, th- and these are people with no sort of prior health triggers or whatever it is just is just out of the blue. People in their sort of teens, 20s and 30s are basically developing um, like like sort of a neuro- neurodegenerative symptoms like Alzheimer's, basically. And there's this it, it's in a cluster, right? And whenever that happens, there's a cluster of, um, of disease, not whenever that happens because that's not, not good statistics, but usually what happens when there's sort of a cluster like this, is there's some kind of cause that's, um, y- unique to that environment. Say something happening on the Acadian Peninsula, for example, uh, that is causing uh, these people to experience these symptoms. And, um, this was sort of, this has been under investigation for a couple of years now, um, the official number of cases is 48, but uh, some sources that spoke with The Guardian, uh, which is how we know it's got an international attention, said that it could be up to 150 people. Right, so yeah, this is like table setting. That's where we are, and what has been revealed, right, is that the the that the province. As soon as this was discovered, they sort of swept into action, right? They convened a panel of experts from around the world, like Johns Hopkins and stuff. They sought federal help. They even created a center to study what was going on and try to work this problem out. Uh, to you know, do the thing that you expect the state to do, which is to um, respond. Perform yes, to respond, respond to things to a
1: public health crisis yes,
0: that, that you are unable to do uh, in. Um, you know, as a private citizen, it's not like you can, it's a, we do not live, uh, in some kind of, uh, libertarian fantasy world where you can, you know, um, post a, um, a, an ad on the dark net for someone to come and, uh, fix your cluster of neurodegenerative, uh, uh, diseases. Well, um, I mean, to be fair, I do have my own
1: operating theater and, um, uh, laboratory here, uh, here at the bunker in Montreal.
0: Uh, let you practice. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I was, I, I was working on a transmissible version of SARS uh, back in the middle of 2019. And, uh, oh, good. Um, anyway, how's your bat breeding program going? Great. Um, Absolutely but, fantastic. Getting lots of orders for these tasty, fat, and delicious
0: bats. Uh. <laughs> well, no, so what happened, right, is then on June 3rd of this year, everything was shut down. Uh, every scientist was uh, dispersed. They were told to stop working, or those who they couldn't move were slowed down to only a couple hours a week. Um, they appealed to the federal government to sort of do no further work, and they impaneled a new set of experts who are basically to relitigate each case and try to identify any other explanation than an environmental factor. <laughs> Anything else? Anything Please. else? <laughs> right? Just give us thing- something. <laughs>
1: And, a and curse maybe it's an ancient maybe it's it's uh you know it's a curse of like a drowned mariner
0: yeah this was the the, the guy from barrett's privateers um, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, da- has done this dagon's uh wasting plague and and they only we only know about these cases because in general because of um a leaked memo right and the what well, it appears that the uh, new panel of experts is being pushed to do by the province is to say these were uh, all misdiagnoses which have mistakenly grouped a bunch of uh, unrelated illnesses together more or less mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they said oh it was everyone just turns out it was like the the medieval dancing plague just with um alzheimer's that you get, uh, like like neurotoxic n- neurodegenerative symptoms that you get from a specific uh, uh neurotoxin for example
1: basically it was like uh like a lot of butterflies in a very concentrated area all flapping their wings at once and creating the same outcome over and over again
0: <laughs> so what what the what the guardian says right is they say that, like, look, New Brunswick at this point is expected to announce that the cluster of cases is, in fact, the result of misdiagnoses. So the fix is, I mean, I can't say the fix is in, but what sure does look like a fix sure does appear to be in. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. And it's to the point, right, where um, there's where uh, this is um, this is from this is just some more background information. Right. Uh did you know that the, provident, that the province's chief uh, medical officer, a guy called uh, um, Eilish Cleary, was fired in 2015? Do you know why okay. he was fired? Um, probably, for, probably for being too
1: good at his job, because I know the New Brunswick people are humble people, and you know, they, don't want, they don't want to see someone uh, rise to the top of their profession and, and make everybody look bad. So, you know, I think he stepped down because he was like, I'm too good at this. I got to leave
0: yeah it was time for someone else to take a turn um so uh no uh he was investigating the uh, human health effects of a herbicide called glyphosate which is in uh roundup uh which is used uh by the irving family and they don't want to stop using it who are who are those guys again oh uh well actually i've got an, an another article from the woke cbc um Here's a quote from uh, from this article. Sorry, it's an unrelated article. I just got bored of that previous one, so I'm just going to read a new unrelated article. Um, This is from like November, an unrelated month. Um, Jim Irving uh, says glyphosate ban would be disastrous. Uh, This is from the the article. Irving's Director of Research and Development, Andrew Willett, said scary information about glyphosate is easy to find online, for example, in sources such as the British Medical Journal, the Journal of Endocrinology, New Frontiers in Environmental Science. Um, But it's misleading. (laughs) Unlike this PDF that we've published uh, from Irving and uh, Monsanto. Um, We can't make public policy and we can't make public investments on something a Karen from Facebook said. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> i love i love this i yeah, love this great. world it's freaking rough. karens are here being like oh you gave me an neurodegenerative disease by insisting on using an unsafe pesticide to cover all of the forests in this province that you own i'm gonna speak to the freaking manager over here man uh, i mean you gotta think though
1: that all these peer-reviewed medical papers are probably just like I mean, they're probably just aggravating the Irving's imposter syndrome, right? And they're having a big sad about it.
0: (laughs) It's really hard to adult when, um, uh, when your comfort chemical is, uh, being called problematic by TikTok teens. Yeah. Um, Unbelievable, man. So look, the thing is, right, it's. You can look up glyphosate and neurodegenerative on uh, Google, and you can find a lot. in, yeah, endocrinology, environmental science journals. But it, again, it's far it, which say basically it's far from conclusive that glyphosate is safe. And the way that um, uh, the way that sort of medical science tends to proceed, and I know this as someone with a you know a, a degree in um, evidence, actually in in evidence based uh, social intervention, but nevertheless. Um, it's uh, uh, it's the same principle, right? Of sort of epidemiology, of sort of statistical inference. Um, you can't say something is unsafe until it passes an extraordinarily high threshold of being shown, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, um, at uh, sort of you know, at the, to cause, let's say, negative outcomes. But this is why the, I'm.
1: This is why my bat
0: uh, meat business is booming. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. So, if, if if let's say there is, if after be having been studied for years and years and years, there is no conclusion that something is safe, um, you have to remember that like a, like uh, professional researchers are very unwilling to call anything unsafe unless it meets an incredibly high standard of evidence, which means that. You, you as a sort of normal person, right? You're not a medical scientist. You're a normal person trying to figure out what you do and do not want to be exposed to on a daily basis, for example. You mm-hmm. can pretty reasonably make the conclusion that that is something that you would not feel safe about and around, right? Even if the sort of uh, systematic reviews uh, don't say, yes, it, is, um, it has these sort of negative impacts. And so, you know, it's um, the other thing, right? Is He, he goes on. He says, look, glyphosate is safe. The federal agency, uh, Health Canada, um, which everyone trusted for their COVID-19 vaccinations, by the way, says it's safe. And so, you know, go on, go on, get some glyphosate in you, which again is a real misrepresentation of what the academic consensus (laughs) on glyphosate seems to be. Um, And yeah, but yeah, it's glyphosate. It's just like a COVID-19 vaccine. In fact, everyone should get a little more of it. I'm being told now, no, don't get more of it. Just whatever Irving is giving you is the right amount. Because I thing, right? would like my oh, glyphosate booster, but the Quebec government won't let me. <laughs> um, the other thing, right, is that the that the New Brunswick and especially New Brunswick, with regard to its uh, relationship as the Irving's PR department and employment agency, um, <laughs> seems uh, is always very, very has a history of being very, very paternalistic and secretive about health issues right about saying don't we know we know best uh the only people we listen to are these three old men who all live in the same the same room together and are always on the same phone calls together um these three billionaire brothers we only listen to them um and uh you know whatever however much glyphosate they put in the forest is the safe amount right (laughs) and you know because it's um the other thing is right is health canada has said that glyphosate is uh is safe at certain amounts is that the amount that the irvings are putting into the forest because it seems like they put it in the forest they get more money right they put it in the forest they can harvest more trees more quickly so do you know how much they're putting in new brunswick are am i willing to believe that new brunswick is enforcing uh that particular any particular limit no not for a moment um and further Right? I've hired also, these foxes to
1: guard my hen house. I'm <laughs> sure everything will be fine.
0: It says in the employment contract they have to guard the hen house. I don't understand what you're talking about. Um no, this is and the other thing, right? Is this is just I uh, uh, this is not to say that glyphosate is what is causing this neurodegeneration. It could be some other third thing. Um and and also like there it's not impossible that it could be nothing. It just seems pretty fucking unlikely. Um yeah. and the but they, they think that the glyphosate thing is less to say ah it's glyphosate causing it and more to say uh, the province the province of New Brunswick cannot be trusted uh, to prioritize <laughs> people over the Irvings it yes. absolutely cannot I would be yeah. utterly unsurprised if um, it turned out to be something that wasn't being talked about on Facebook groups just because the uh, uh, um, the uh, uh, province's health minister right was fired for trying to investigate it uh some years ago yes right yeah. that it has a lot of salience um and boy does that seem to be if not a scientific at least a political point in its favor but um is absolutely um it is abs- it it, it, sh- it if this were happening in another country uh we would be uh already calling to invade them
1: I was just going to say that. Yeah, like yeah. if this was uh say happening um I don't know, let me pick a country at random. China. Uh if it was happening somewhere in China, uh yeah, there would be there would be reams of articles about this about like local corruption, uh you know, the failure of government, uh mm-hmm. suppression of information. And I feel like I'm I'm thinking now like New Brunswick needs to be liberated from the shackles from the from the clammy grip of of the Irving family, and I feel mm-hmm. like one way to do that is to uh, and it would take a while, but foster uh, an irredentist movement in Nova Scotia, kind of like uh, New Brunswick, <laughs> like kind of a Kos- uh, Kosovo is Serbia type you, you, thing but are for, we but saying but for that, like, Nova Scotians d- regarding New Brunswick
0: are we saying that, no, that New Brunswick needs to be absorbed into Nova Scotia and there needs to be a de irvingification yeah, so gr- I, I am right now saying greater Nova Scotia you know <laughs> sure
1: it's got its problems but it's 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 for the good of the people living in New Brunswick
0: we must w- look they, The the people of New Brunswick cry out for Jim Leahy to come and manage the province <laughs> please mr jim send airstrikes uh yeah it's just it's um you know what else is the it reminds me of as well is um the uh, uh sort of steven the steven donziger chevron story right oh, where it's like 100 percent, yes yeah and it's it's that time and again you know we only care about this when it's happening in somewhere that we want to uh, invade uh, otherwise, if it's happening here, then eat. don't ask questions about it. Uh, you love it, actually. What would you? What would you rather? Is this job that's poisoning you and your family be moved to like PEI? No, you have to be grateful for whatever chemical that you're uh, ingesting that we're giving you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you
1: have to uh, allow Coastal GasLink to call the shots uh, when it comes to who is arrested when the Gitsan camp is uh, is, is uh, overrun. And uh, you have to allow Coastal GasLink to then uh, prosecute these people in court.
0: <laughs> um, it's
1: very important. So I, I want to talk about a, 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 a bombshell article uh, that came out uh, recently by Canadian national treasure. Uh, the, those are the words of a uh, friend of the show, Justin Ling. National treasure, yeah. John. And he's I- right. And he's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's right. Uh, a,
0: a man whom Nicolas Cage is trying to steal, John Ibbotson. <laughs> None more precious. So who's John Canadian, Hibbetson? Nicolas Cage? Comfiore. Comfiore Comfior is, is trying, trying to steal Cage. John Ibbotson with Canadian national treasure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: So, so Canadian National Treasurer John Ebbetson, uh has uh, has read a white paper by a man named Thomas Homer Dixon of the Cascade Institute, and and he has some thoughts which he which he published recently. So,
0: oh, why can't all these like this is just this this is just like um in in the UK like all of the right wing think tanks all share the same building, right? Like, <laughs> that, so they, it's why can't all of these institutes just like can they just just merge into one i'm having a difficult time keeping track of the identical pdfs that they just swap out their logos on it's it's weird because a lot of them look really
1: similar to like uh like the mli uh uh comms guy looks similar to uh another right-wing think tank comms guy like they're almost indistinguishable i kind of i kind of feel like they could they could just meld all these people into one part we need less guys mm-hmm. it's hard to keep track of all the guys
0: yeah, I mean, well, like- they say we need to cut tighten our okay, look. The, the Christian Freeland is worried about the economy overheating, yeah. right? Because uh, as because as, as as interest rates stay low um, and COVID benefits can continue to trickle out to people and prices rise from um, uh, 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 sort of supply bottlenecks that are exogenous to Canada. Uh, well, I think it's high time for us to really examine if our economy can support this many think tank guys. I feel like it can't. I feel like there's too many of them.
1: Uh, I feel like there needs to be less of them. And I feel like they need to all have defining characteristics like like Kolga, uh He can stay because he's he's like the, the uh, moist uh, Baltic guy who's constantly talking about Russia. Right. He's fine. Um, these other guys, like, I don't know. Let's just get rid of two thirds of them. Like, go do something else. Get, they a, to, get, they should a, get a fucking job. Like, seriously. <laughs> um so homer homer dixon's uh apocalyptic future uh sorry homer dixon's apocalyptic vision of the future was actually uh written up in the guardian recently too so mm-hmm. this is uh this is his take he says in 2014 the suggestion that donald trump would become president would have also uh would also have struck nearly everyone as absurd but today we live in a world where the absurd regularly becomes real and the horrible commonplace.
0: So, wait, wait. Is, is, because this guy, he's a, he's a complexity theory guy. So he's like a quant. He was, he was, it, he was is from MIT. Yeah. And, but how come you need to be a quant to just like exit what was a sort of set of liberal orthodoxies that have been creaking for a long time? Why do you need complexity theory to show you? Well, who needed well, complexity theory to know that like, I don't know, some kind that let's just say you might not be able to say specifically that Donald Trump will be president, but I don't know. Um, It seemed like the uh, American polity was pretty was creaking. You know, Uh, it seemed like the um, like a a lot of people had no longer been given a a, a sort of any reason to be bought into this stuff. Um, Why do you need why why Uh, do you need math To show you that. Well, I'll tell you. It's because you need a
1: quant uh, because if you don't have a quant, then the white paper that your uh, think tank produces won't have an incredible uh, topographical graph that has an X, Y, and Z axis with Mm -hmm. a big arrow pointing off to the right that just says future and uh, block sans-serif capitals. And then a bunch of data points that say shit like uh, social dissolution.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's um uh, that that stuff always struck me a little bit uh sort of cargo cultish, where you are sort of you're you're trying to like map a uh, a process that you were sort of anxious about onto a three axis graph, yeah. right? And, and yeah. I'm, I'm not I don't think that any of this is sort of bullshit. I just think you know you 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 don't you can explain this just by kind of you can explain this by looking at like. Is this an, Are these institutions that you're worried about the breakdown of? Are they robust? Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, you're sort no. of
1: you're sort of mystifying it by trying to uh, prove it with uh, the thousands, if not millions, of data points, right? Like, I I look at the topographical uh, map of of a societal breakdown, and all I can think about is the video game populace. Um, you know, the sort of uh, isometric isometric uh, mountains and also i think about the waldorf uh wavetable synth because that that map i was like i was looking at i was like wow that looks kind of like a flute sound on the waldorf
0: (laughs) Uh, so Um, what does homer dixon say
1: homer dixon says that by 2025 american democracy could collapse causing extreme domestic political instability including widespread civil violence (laughs) you're 25
0: years late you fucking (laughs) idiot (laughs) Jesus! By twenty thirty,
1: it already did
0: collapse. It (laughs) collapsed already. It collapsed in two thousand. What do you think the fucking Brooks Brothers riot was? What do how do you think George W. Bush got elected? It already collapsed. The horses fled (laughs) the barn and died of old age outside the barn. But have you
1: considered that by two thousand and thirty, if not sooner, the country could be governed by a right wing
0: dictatorship? (laughs) Does, does he not, does he not, Wait, like what, what does he mean by right-wing dictatorship? That's a good question. I
1: think he means, uh, I, I, here's the thing. I think him and Ibbotson, we'll get into Ibbotson's take in a second, but I think they're both, uh, traumatized by the Trump presidency. Still, this mm-hmm. is, this is this, uh, breaking point where like, or like, uh, trauma that they keep returning back to over and over again, like without, being able to zoom out and look at okay what's happened during the biden presidency right like like forget for, forget about the guys in charge like mm-hmm. you're looking at terminal fucking decline you're looking at like uh detachment of state security services from any kind of responsibility to the state you're looking at like the most schizophrenic foreign policy that uh america's had in decades
0: you know like Mm-hmm. If, definitely in my lifetime. I mean, like, if you want to know whether or not you should take Thomas Homer Dixon seriously about this, uh, he says that he wrote on January 15th of last year. Um, he, he basically wrote, like, uh, America narrowly avoided um, becoming an autocracy under Trump after January 6th. Right cuz No it the, didn't. No it didn't. They didn't have <laughs> they did not have an organization. They didn't have a government in waiting. They stormed into the like is it is it maybe probably a, a little more worrisome than than some people um want it to be. Sure, it is worrisome, sure. but yeah. no, there was no force that was going to make Trump an autocrat on January sixth. There, what the coup didn't happen because there was no organization. They didn't have, yeah. they didn't have someone they wanted to put in except him, and they had no way of doing it other than just walking into the House of Representatives and waiting for a video game cutscene to start. They
1: didn't like, even but, get but close. Surely to-
0: you should. Surely, if you're going to take trying to take yourself seriously as a a complex the a. a a complexity-based theory of, ide- of, ide- of ideologies, you should have an understanding about the, I don't know, political composition of the ideologies that you're trying to measure. Well, I mean, don't you remember when
1: the Q Shaman uh, got a hold of, like, the uh, the big megaphone that connects to all broadcasting and receiving equipment in the continental United States and just said, do as thou wilt,
0: you know? <laughs> right? It's like, it's, it's, I mean, look, like, I, I think it's... As as much as I sort of I say this, I think it's worth modeling these things. But you know, if you if if you're if you're not going to say I don't know, think about what it means to you know what it means to do a coup, right? And if you just sort of look at a thing that was scary from TV and are like, ah, that was nearly a coup, um, then I don't know what I don't know, and and also to like forget what happened in 2000 when asking about American democratic collapse, I don't really fucking understand what it is that you're saying other than just, I'm trying to make myself feel better about the news with a graph.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this guy knows what a coup looks like. It's like you shell the parliament, you know, the military is involved. It's not, it's not what, uh, whatever this was. So, you know, Ibbotson's take on all of this is, uh, is basically if the next presidential election reveals the United States is hurtling towards political instability, hurtling towards political instability and even violence. What can Canada do? Mm-hmm. Well, what can Canada do? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. nothing. Not a fucking thing. We can do fuck all. <laughs> like, because mm-hmm. it's all it's already happening and we're not doing anything Um except for offering to sell them as much lithium as we can pull out of the ground.
0: You know? yeah absolutely yeah that's what can canada do nothing 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 there is no what 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 did we i don't know we're gonna continue logging about it we we'll keep mining <laughs> about it we certainly keep won't keep we'll, you know keep d- building d- d- that pipeline about it. about it yeah, yeah that'll exactly sh- that'll show that's what we're gonna do yeah,
1: yeah, fuck it. That'll they'll show them. We'll show them how to do democracy by uh or by by uh sending in some uh RCMP that are just like deputized and promoted to like paramilitary status by fucking Coastal Gas Link
0: That'll learn yeah. them. That'll Absolutely. learn them how to do democracy. Yeah, they the, the, the US autocracy has not deputized they haven't deputized anyone to Coastal Gas Link <laughs> Exactly. They're
1: doing it all wrong. So, I I mean Ibbotson has some ideas about what we could do. He says uh, it might be possible for Canada to join with other members of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, the European Union, the Group of Seven, or some other other assembly of allied states to voice concern over mm-hmm. and support for American democracy.
0: Okay, what will that do? <laughs> because I'm mean, just I want to go back actually to the Homer Dixon's article about the um, about January 6th. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's. Please. He says in the long term, right. In the long term, by fomenting schisms so deep that a large minority of the American public no longer had faith in the country's democratic institutions, Mr. Trump has caused incalculable damage. He didn't fucking do that. If, no, the, if, all, the, if all that was keeping people's faith in and the democratic institutions of their country solid is the fact that they are reassured about it by someone in power and not say that they can experience actual thick democracy in their lives, then... Maybe you didn't have any Democratic legitimacy in the first place. Maybe there maybe the Democratic institutions had been rotting for a while. Yes. And maybe just maybe people
1: were it was a delayed reaction to uh, one of the biggest betrayals of public trust in American history in the form of like the fucking financial collapse. You know like yeah it's, like good. and also maybe uh that could possibly happen here if we continue to uh uh ignore the fact that the housing market is just completely unregulated at a giant bubble, and pretty soon no one except for the very wealthy will be able to afford a place to live, you know yeah, but like,
0: everyone will keep believing in it because Justin Trudeau will say stuff like um uh the our, our history is the, the, the chalkboard on which we draw our future or something like that. And yes. we're like, ah, yes. Well, it doesn't matter that I can't have a house. Justin uh, we Trudeau. Don't, we, we don't have a rude <laughs> man in charge. We have a nice man.
1: Justin Trudeau's drawing a perfect circle on a chalkboard and uh, raising his eyebrows and saying, you know, for kids. <laughs> so
0: wait, what, what, what else do we say in this national treasure?
1: Uh, so, you know, he's, he, <laughs> his, uh, his, his one theory is that we, is that we utilize like these, uh, extra national bodies, like, like NATO and whatever the group of seven just, and, and we tut tut the United States. Um, mm-hmm. but his main point is, uh, is basically that, like, uh, he says, we have to think the unthinkable in which we are not really close to them in the future, meaning the Americans. And a lack of policy imagination has kept us from actually pondering that in
0: a deep way. I wonder where that lack of policy imagination comes from. Anyway, time to look at a different newspaper. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I wonder what I wonder where that lack of policy imagination has come from. Hey, wow, look, we've uh, looked at our solutions to the financial crisis, the only one which will work, which is definancial, like decommodify housing. And we've decided to not do it. So I wonder we've where said, are those lacks of policy no imaginations thanks. are coming from. It's it's. <laughs> It's the thing. They can certainly imagine the solution. They just don't want to do it. And there is no political there is no political organization in Canada, including the NDP that does want to do it. So, well, you know, if we're going to be if we, we sort of we we're like, yeah, there, there is I think there is a real chance that, right, the U.S. could become much less democratic in the future. I think mean, unlike Homer Dixon, I think a lot of it's already happened. Um, and that, um when I say Democrat, small D, Democratic, right? Uh, yeah. I think I think, but I think a lot of the damage is done. It's already happened. And we're, we're witnessing a broken machine falling apart. We're not witnessing a machine breaking. Yeah. Um, and, and we're not
1: witnessing something that is confined to the United States of America. No,
0: <laughs> no. And yeah, it's not a lack of policy and maybe a lack of policy imagination is keeping us from actually pondering what would Canada look like without dependence on the U.S. in a deep way. But we don't want to not depend on the U.S. And I think any time, any time that we have had to confront a hard problem, um, I think going back to like land defense in the Canadian West is a great example, or even thinking about like. You know, large scale um, like infrastructural protests throughout the country. Uh, we've just responded with crush it, uh, jail everyone involved. Uh, you know, paramilitary groups. That's an example of a place where uh, I don't know. That that's that's the kind of of, of decisions where I present an off ramp, right? Yes. And we're like, nope, no off ramp for us. So I mean, other that's why I sort of look at what what Homer Dixon is saying and what Ibbotson is echoing, and I'm like, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't think that you particularly want to decouple from the U.S. I don't think much of Canada's uh, political infrastructure, certainly not much of our media infrastructure, certainly not Ibbotson, uh, wants to decouple from the U.S. because that means doing things in a radically different way that they don't want to do. Yes. Yes.
1: Which gets us to the point of Ibbotson's article with the, the, the purpose for its existence, um, a, a point that will be familiar to many of our listeners He says, what would NORAD or NATO look like in a world in which the United States is internally divided to the point of instability? Probably
0: like it looked like for the last 20 years.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) To what extent could multilateral organizations such as the World Trade Organization and the WHO function without American uh, participation? America was openly hostile to the WHO. Like, come on, man.
0: Internally divided to the point of instability. When was the first debt ceiling fight? that was a fucking while ago at this point. You don't have yes. to wonder what these things look like in this case because it's already there. Like what the what the world looks like is the the, the United States is unpredictable as it is with its um like as a lot of sort of uh, let's say its uh, policies towards other countries have been because wild swings back and forth between different polls uh, every election season. Uh, it's completely internally paralyzed because um, because it's, it's because been they, captured by capital, yeah. essentially,
1: so no yeah. one can govern. Uh, and people have become literally
0: ungovernable. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like you ask us sort of what is the state for? The state is for um, uh, 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 it is for the reproduction of of society such that capital can continue chugging along. Right. So, for example, one of the state, one of the things the state does that capital sort of can't do to, Providing healthcare—that's a good example. Um, now it's not the only way to do it. It's just m- if you want to have a healthier workforce, it's much more effective to do that. So you, there is the state, which then provides that, uh, and then capital benefits. Everyone, and uh, the people who are being having their healthcare taken, uh, given to them, are healthier as a preference. Um, but ultimately, the reason the state is doing it, the reason the state exists, is to do social—is—is is to social re- socially reproduce. An environment where capital can continue to take profits and maximize those profits, and because capital is not necessarily rational, it has one thing it does: the state is, you know, a, a useful development. It's not to say capital invented the state, but rather it emerged because it needed to emerge because the conditions were there that required that required certain things of it. Yes. Um, and you know, I think that's, and and we've sort of, dec- and the American state has sort of decided well we no longer really need to reproduce society here or we're content with it being reproduced in a way that's radically different because since sort of 1980, the bet that was made with Reagan is we're pretty sure that we can continue taking outsized profits without social reproduction. In fact, we think we can take more outsized profits if we don't reproduce society like this. We can sort of move past what was sort of designed to keep stability in a Fordist mode. And so you begin slowly spinning down the functions of the state which is sort of we have been agreed is kind of no longer necessary. And uh, the, the yeah. sort of Democratic and Republican parties kind of both agree that this is kind of how it's going to go. It's just disagreement on like how the state dies. And so, you know, of course, of course, it's going to be seen as illegit- as as increasingly seen as illegitimate and sclerotic and pointless and ungovernable because it's sort of by design. And mm-hmm. it's been going on. And the problem isn't Fox News and Trump. I mean, I feel like I've said this a billion times, but, you know, to, it's it's fucking not.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, we spin down. So, like you're saying, we spin down the capacity of the state and we strip everything out of the house of the state. We take the light bulbs and the wiring and the furniture and everything. We strip it all out, but we leave one thing. And this is where Ibbotson... Uh, Is taking you and me and the other readers and just jamming us into the bottleneck of this article uh, coming to the point. He says, we need to bolster our military and protect our borders, especially in the north. We My need God. to strengthen our bonds with other democracies and promote democracy through trade and cultural ties. We need to engage with the United States, however it invol- uh, evolves as a great power we live beside that we must get along with. So but the point uh-huh. here is bolster the military, which is good. Yeah, yeah, which is what you're hearing from like every single fucking think tank in this country. The mcdonnell Laurier Institute has been harping on this point for two years now. You know, there's a there's a big debate about what fighter jet we're going to buy. Are we going to buy the Saab Gripen from uh, Sweden or are we going to buy the uh, F-35, the jet that won't take off if it's raining, you know, but it it, it doesn't matter which one we buy. What's important is that we buy it because we need to because this is the last part of the state that needs to exist. This fucking and especially here in Canada, where our capacity is just so huge for uh, uh, defense and uh,
0: sort of offensive democracy promotion, you know, like, yeah, well, that's the the last part of reproduction is if you can't force him, if you can't force society to look the same way does tomorrow as it did today, today through like, uh, sorry, I'm gonna try that again but that's the point of social reproduction, right? Uh, when you residualize it, if you can't encourage society to look tomorrow, like it looked today so that you can keep taking your profits. You can pretty confidently force it by deputizing some people with guns. And, yes. um, that's, and, it, and, and in terms of, um, the right wing solution to what to do when we've decided to stop doing social reproduction, because we've wound down the state as an apparatus. oh we, the guys with guns will make sure everything sort of stays more or less in order. Let's just use them. Um, and in this case, this is just this is just a sort of us catching the American disease of being like, well, I guess we should get guns, too. Maybe we can sort of, I don't know, fight the slow, the slow rolled collapse in social legitimacy uh, both north and south <laughs> of the border using a sort of sidewinder missile fired from this Saab Gripen uh, fighter jet. Yeah, but not the S
1: four hundred uh, platform because that would be bad. Um, can't buy from Russia,
0: um, but that's
1: that, so that that is like the fucking hilarious thing about this article is that you know it it's uh, in its opening it says uh uh oh America's not doing so good could be chaos, and then the conclusion is to do exactly what America has been doing, which is Riley, like you were laying out, just reducing the capacity of the state to do anything for its citizens except for the military. <laughs> <laughs> so great perfect we're gonna uh we're gonna defeat the failing uh the failing united states uh and protect ourselves against them by becoming exactly like them great yep. great
0: job national treasure yeah perfect <laughs> great no notes uh fuck it start a sub stack too john ebbotson why not they should all just yeah. start sub stacks yeah exactly
1: i'm gonna start a sub stack all the things that sub pop records wouldn't let me sing about uh, going to be very uh, going to be talking about TikTok teens. Uh, yeah, your your theories on haplogroups My theories on haplogroups groups. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, astrological phrenology stuff like that. All right, I think it's time for me to go have some dinner. All right. Well, the construction finally stopped uh, oh, in the apartment good. just in time for the close of the episode. So you know, I feel. Um, I'm very happy about two thousand and twenty two. i'm I'm happy that Bottleman has rolled into our second season and uh, and I'm excited for this year. Absolutely. Uh, and
0: we will see you next week. Hell Bye, yeah. everyone. Bye.